Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that though we are in the virtual world here and we're speaking forth the word and it's going out to people on their computers and tablets and, and cell phones and it's going to people not just in our church but other people who tune into it uh, like Hilton over in Ireland and, and others. And we're just so thankful, Lord, that the word of God is active and powerful and it's giving us such encouragement, Lord. And we just pray now that you will lead me and guide me by the Holy Spirit. Please hide me behind the cross. We're so thankful, Lord, and we pray that you will use your word to challenge us, to encourage us, to inspire us and lift us up. And we ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The story is told of a minister who traveled to Wex, Texas to perform a wedding for two wealthy families. They did it up big. Upon his arrival, the father of the groom asked the minister to go with him to pick up the cake. They went to the airport. A jet flew in and the door of the plane opened and the conveyor belt came down and a huge cake was brought forth that cost the tidy sum of $16,000. Yes, you heard that right, a cake that cost $1,600. An older woman supervised the operation, and the minister had to know the story behind the cake and the woman as well. She related her story, how her husband had died, and she was left broke and at home with three little girls. She knew that she could bake cakes and bake them better than, than many other people, and she began to bake and sell the cakes. And the rest is history. She now flies huge cakes across the country for the elite of our nation. She concluded it was trouble that triggered it. Yes, trouble isn't so bad after all. And you know, we as Christians who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior are thankful that God allows trouble he allows trials and difficulties. He allows pain and suffering. He allows affliction and sorrow to come into our lives, not randomly, not by accident or by fate, not by karma, but by His goodness and mercy, God brings trials into our lives to conform us to the image of Christ and to help us to grow as Christians and to be pleasing to Him. The title of our message today is The Benefits of Trials. The Benefits of Trials. Normally we don't think of trials as being beneficial, but they are. And the Bible is full of it, of trials and how they can benefit the lives of believers in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. God knows what He's doing in our lives. He has a plan for us, and he's going to execute it. And part of that plan is trials that come into our lives. He knows how long they'll last. He knows the severity of them. And he knows what he's going to do as a result of them in our lives. And today we're going to look at three things from this subject of the benefits of trials. Number one, trials produce results. Secondly, trials perfect 
And number three, trials promote growth. We live in a very result-oriented world, don't we? We think in terms of wins and losses, successes and failures, victories and defeat. And whether it's in sports or politics or any other area of life, people want to be number one and they want to have results. Doc Rivers, the coach of the Clippers, the Los Angeles Clippers basketball team was eliminated from the playoffs, was fired this week. And to show how great a coach he is, he was hired by another team, the Philadelphia 76ers, in three days. So he was unemployed for three days. But it's amazing. You can be a great coach. You can take your team to the playoffs every year. You can do so well. But if you don't win at all, you can be fired. That's how the world works. But God works in a different way. But his way is also to produce results for his glory and for our growth and our edification. He uses trials to achieve great things. Someone once said, a gem cannot be polished without friction, nor a man perfected without trial. You know, an oyster is where the pearl comes from. And I mentioned this in a message a long time ago, but what happens is a little grain of sand or some kind of irritant gets inside the shell of the oyster and it produces a pearl. Only God can do that in the world of nature. And only God can make diamonds from underneath the ground hundreds and thousands of feet down over a period of years under intense pressure and carbon, the diamond is formed. Yes, God knows what he's doing in the trials that he allows in our lives, whether it's to do with the pandemic or the fires or the economy or all the things that are happening. Charles Spurgeon once said, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of. And it's certainly true. Because we can be one way when things are going nicely and well, but when the pressure's turned up and the trials come, the real person comes out. The real Dean, as it were. And we have to trust God that he knows what he's doing with the trials he allows in our lives. There's a couple of beautiful scriptures. The first one is Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5 talking about the benefit of trials. It says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. Paul tells the Romans that these things that are happening in their lives are not random. They are happening for a reason. God has a plan and purpose. And there's a, a progression there from tribulation to perseverance to character and to hope. And that is our victory. Someone once said, we learn more from one trial 
than we do from all our joys and victories and successes combined. And that's so true. The widow who was left with those three little girls saw her go from nothing to being a very, very wealthy woman, serving the wealthy with her cakes. And God can do the same thing with us. He uses the trials for our benefit, for our good. He's not trying to harm us. He's trying to bless us indeed. Now, if you look over at James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4, we see a very similar thing spoken of by James. Now, these two wrote, of course, independently at different times, but they're basically saying the same thing. And it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Yes, patience is a result of God's working on us over the years. I know I've become a more patient person as God has tested me through the many years with my job situations, different health issues, all kinds of things. He's used all kinds of different trials to perfect that work in me and to complete it so that there will be nothing lacking. And we all need more patience, and we know that God will bring it forth. I like the fact that in both Romans 5, 3 through 5, and also James 1, 2 to 4, there's two words that are repeated by both of the writers. And those two words are knowing and produces. God wants us to know that these trials benefit us and that he's working in our lives. So knowing. And then the second word is produces. Paul talked about producing that perseverance, that character, and that hope as a result of our trial. And James talks about the patience that we get. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's a blessing. So both Paul and James are on the same page, though they didn't even realize it at the time. In Job chapter 23 and verse 10, and here's a man, Job, that was tested and tried more than anybody else. And it says in Job 23.10, But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God does not destroy gold with the fire. He refines it. God uses the fire of our affliction and trials to cause us to come forth as refined gold. Gold is a precious commodity still today, an investment that people make quite a bit of money on when they invest in gold, especially in times if the stock market is down. But we're thankful that God uses these trials to our benefit. So that's our first point today. God produces results. Secondly, God perfects our faith. Our faith is precious to the Lord. It's the whole means in which we come into a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ is through our faith. And in our Christian walk, it's based on faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
And so faith is very important to the Lord, and he wants to perfect that faith in our lives. He said, if you have a faith like a little mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be cast into the sea. He calls faith here in, in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, uh, a precious faith. And he says in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, he wants us to have a genuine faith, a faith that is strong and built up over time, a mature faith that relies on the Lord completely and fully. And it is more precious than gold that perishes. Because even though gold is so much a high commodity and an expensive one, even gold will perish, but our faith in the Lord will last forever and ever. George Mueller once said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. I say and say it deliberately, trials, difficulties, and sometimes defeat are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen. God wants us to have a strong faith. E. Stanley Jones said, Faith is not merely holding on to God, it is God holding on to you. He will not let you go. And that's encouraging to me because if I get weak and I, and I can't hold on, the Lord is holding on to me and he is with me and he is with us no matter what trials we're going through. The story reminds me of, uh, the verse reminds me of the fact that there's a story told of a father and son. One night a house caught fire, and we've been hearing a lot about fires lately, and they're everywhere on the news, and not only in the wildfires, but in the cities, and they're everywhere. And one night the, the house caught fire, and the young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms calling to his son, saying, Jump! I'll catch you! He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flame, smoke, and blackness. And as he imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, Jump! I will catch you! But the boy protested, Daddy, I can't see you! The father replied, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. And with our eyes, our natural eyes, we can't always see the Lord. With our natural eyes, we can't see him. But with our spiritual eyes, we can. And he wants us to trust in him. As it says in Deuteronomy 33, 27, it says the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say destroy. God is so good. He's under us with his everlasting arms and saying, Dean, jump. Jump into my arms. When times are really difficult and tough, 
as they are now. Jump into my arms, I'll catch you. And we have to have that kind of faith. Hebrews 11.6 talks about that kind of faith when it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants us to have that kind of faith because if we don't have that kind of faith, we can't please God. We can only please him when we have a faith that trusts in him. A man named Ben Johnson said, he knows not his own strength that has not, excuse me, he knows not his own strength that hath not met adversity. The adversity of our trials brings out the sufficiency of God's grace. And that is true because God's grace is sufficient for us every day. So we've seen so far this morning that trials produce results, that trials perfect faith. And now our last point today is trials help us grow in the Lord more than any other single factor. When God provides for us and gives us the victory, we learn to depend upon him more fully. Our faith bank account grows and we get more experience and maturity. That's why it's so important to learn from our trials. Because if we don't, God's going to have to bring them again around and teach us the lessons again. He wants us to learn the lessons from our trials from the first time. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. We look at a verse like that and you say, Lord, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. Yes. That's why James says, count it all joy. That's why Paul says, glory in our tribulation. Because it is good that we have been afflicted, that we may learn God's principles, God's statutes. And that's how we learn, is by applying God's word to our lives. Jenny's song was so beautiful, talking about the promise. He is the promise. And he is the one that's going to see us through every day of our lives. You know, we need to grow. And every Christian, every born-again believer who is truly saved needs to show signs of growth. Now, it can be slow and it can be steady, which is good. But it's got to be evidenced by a change in our lives. We have to take off the training wheels from our bike and ride the bike. You know, when I was learning to ride a bike, that training wheel, the training wheels were on it at first. And I was so young and I was learning to ride the bike and it was kind of nerve-wracking, probably on my dad too, teaching me how to, to ride the bike. But the training wheels were on. Well, the day came, it's time to take off the training wheel. Now it's time for you to ride on the two wheels of the bike, the front and the back. Now it's time to learn to ride. And that's what happens in life, is, and we learn how to ride a bike. And no matter how old you get in life, you never forget how to, to ride a bike. Because you learn, you come to a point in time where you take off the training wheels and ride the bike. And it's not easy. You get nervous, but all of a sudden you get kind of wobbly at first, and then, and then no, I'm riding, I, I'm pedaling, I'm doing it. And that's the way our faith works, and that's the way our... Are the trials help us 
to be solidified in the Lord, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, though it's talking about chastening, it applies to trials as well. It says, now chastening seems not seems to be no, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When we go through the trials, they're not pleasant. They're not joyful. But we look to the results. We look to the blessings of the peaceable fruit of righteousness because we have been trained by the trials we're going through. We grow through these trials. And there's three significant ways that we as Christians grow in our trials. Number one, we grow in dependence on the Lord. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture, I've memorized it, I love meditating on it, it's such a blessing to read it in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. We grow in dependence on the Lord, and as we go through these trials, and some of them are pretty severe, and some are pretty intense, and some of them are pretty long, we learn to depend on the Lord and not to depend on ourselves or on others. Secondly, the second way we, we grow in significant ways is to draw closer to the Lord. It says in James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And when we go through trials, it draws us to the Lord so that we can grow more because we realize how much we need the Lord. And so we, we draw near in closeness. And the third significant way that we grow is we grow in maturity. Philippians 3.15 says, Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So we grow in dependence on the Lord. We grow in closeness with the Lord, and we grow in maturity in our walk with the Lord. And that is a blessing indeed. A man named Alexander Smelly wrote, 10,000 saints are ready to testify that their periods of the most rapid and unshakable spiritual growth have been their periods of trouble. The winter accomplishes more than the summer for the soul's development and advance. The valley of weeping is a well of living waters, and the barren heights a dewy and pleasant field, and grace prepares trial. The grace of our Savior, our leader, our lover, he has been in the cold and frost before us, and he will take care that our winter is not nearly so keen as his. He made his heart bleed. It slew him outright. Ours, though, his wise and tender tuition will instruct us, brace us, ripen us into his own likeness. Yes, we follow the Lord Jesus in his example of going through trials and difficulties. We follow Paul's example. We follow James' example, Peter's example, and all the different ones in the New Testament and the men and women of the Old Testament as well. Yes, left up to ourselves, we wouldn't choose trials. We would choose the easy way. 
We would, we would choose smooth, quiet waters. We wouldn't choose the, the choppy, stormy seas. But God knows exactly what we need and when we need it and how long we need it. The hymn writer said, When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Yes, we have a lot of dross that has to be consumed. And the dross is the part of the gold that needs to be burned away. It's that waste product and it needs to be burned so that the gold can be refined. So to conclude our message today, let us remember that trials benefit us. God uses them in our lives. They're good for us. We should always rejoice in our trials. Christians are the only ones who can rejoice in their trials because they know that the Lord is working on their behalf. And we're thankful that he has a plan. We're thankful that he allows these trials and tribulations in our lives. And let's remember also that trials produce results. Patience, perseverance, character, and hope. God's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with me yet. He's still working on us, and praise God for that. He wants us to develop our faith and strengthen it. Faith is like a muscle that needs to be built up, and we need to build our faith through the trials and difficulties that we go through. And Finally, trials promote growth. They help us to grow in our dependence on the Lord, to draw closer to Him, and to help us mature in Christ. May the Lord help us to realize there are benefits to the trial. God has a plan, and He's going to work it out, and we're thankful for that. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that the Bible is full of so many encouraging promises, and it's so full of encouragement regarding trials and difficulties and how you use them in our lives and how the promises and the trials go together because when we go through the trials, we're claiming your promises and we're claiming that you're going to work things out for our good. We just pray that you'll bless this word as it goes out to the saints this morning and this afternoon. We just pray, Lord, that you will encourage us, help us to hang on, a little while longer, Lord, until we can be all back at church again and have all the meetings again and fellowship with one another again. We miss each other so much, Lord. And we just pray you'll build up each one of the saints and pray for those who are unsaved. If there's any in our midst that are he hearing this message today that don't know the Lord, that they will come to know Christ today. And we also pray, Lord, that you'll be with our friends and our relatives that will be a good example to them and point people to Jesus. We just thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.